I had another story I wanted to ask about. So there was, and I think this is a Newcastle story, because uh-huh. um, I think this is when Mum was still working. Right. But it's it it involved a helicopter. And... Oh, that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was asking Dad about the the helicopter story. Um, <sighs> Because I remember you telling me the helicopter story. And... Yeah, because I was angry. <laughs> <laughs> I w- w- worked on the liver unit, and there was a person who had liver failure needed a liver transplant. So if patients were going for transplant or anything major, major liver, because Newcastle couldn't do it, they were sent to Leeds or Birmingham. And I think it was mm. Birmingham this patient had to go to. And it, the night before, it always been a bit iffy whether this guy was going to go or not. I can't remember why it was iffy, but it was iffy. So uh, I was the, I think it was the SHO on that weekend. And I think I was, no, I was actually working on the next door ward and covering, I think it was diabetes, and the liver unit needed somebody to accompany somebody down to Birmingham, which is where the liver transplants used to be done. And I volunteered on the, on the grounds that I would do it if, it, if they got me a helicopter. <laughs> so, uh, and I came onto the ward the next night, and they were saying, you know, had handover, and they were saying that this patient had been sent down by helicopter down to Birmingham and everybody wanted to go on a helicopter with a patient everybody wanted to do this and um yeah and it sort of went on and they said oh yes yeah, so and so has gone away down to Birmingham in the helicopter and it was like oh and it was your grain that went I was furious it just wasn't fair how could he go it just wasn't fair so um yeah but then of course he got stuck in Birmingham he couldn't get back I can't remember why there's something reason why the helicopter couldn't bring him back it was a, it was a Sunday and it was a really cold miserable Sunday afternoon in the middle of winter so this helicopter landed <laughs> at the Freeman Hospital and I got into the helicopter with the person and we flew down. Now as we were flying down south we reached a, a front so the helicopter couldn't go any further so we landed in a field in Nottingham in the hospital which I then went to work in at the city hospital. So anyway <laughs> we landed at the city hospital uh, helicopter pad and an ambulance then took me from Nottingham to Birmingham. The trouble was the helicopter flew back. So I was then uh, got to Birmingham with this patient and then handed the patient over to Birmingham. And I said, how am I going to get back? At which point everybody said, don't know. So I rang up Newcastle Hospital and they said, nothing to do with us, mate. So yes, they then had to try and find the money to come back. Uh, I think I borrowed your mum's credit card and used her credit card to get a train back from Birmingham into Newcastle on a Sunday evening in the middle of winter. So I basically was abandoned in Birmingham by the NHS. Yeah. <laughs> the reason I always yeah. told it was because I was angry. Yeah, you see, you see the thing it is... It wasn't I, I, fair. <laughs> my only regret was it wasn't a... It wasn't Royal Navy, so I didn't get a Sea King helicopter. I got a little, a little air ambulance one. I mean, no, nowadays they wouldn't let us SHO accompany uh, a patient in liver failure who started fitting in the helicopter. They wouldn't allow somebody to do that. It would be like a whole team would take it. But in those days, you know, one per, a senior house officer in a helicopter, bag of drugs, you know, just deposited, looked after them all the way down there, and then had to sort myself out getting back. 
not fair. I got to go in an ambulance as a student nurse and go and pick up a dead, it was a dead person. I mean, but you know, um, he got to go in an ambulance, in a, in a helicopter. That's not fair. Well, well, That's just, a good just, story, actually. That's a good story. When well, I went well, in the ambulance, second year student, and I was on the children's elective surgical board, and I ha- we had to transfer for a patient, one of the children, one, from Freeman over to the RVI, to a different hospital, to have an operation. So they sent me in, in the ambulance with the child. So that's what we did. So anyway, we get to the RVI, we drop the child off, get back in the ambulance to go back to the hospital and we're just coming up the driveway of the Freeman hospital and the ambulance men get a radio call through to go through to Hexham which is about half an hour's drive away from Newcastle so they turned around to me and they said are you busy on the ward and I said no not really oh well you can come with us <laughs> so I was in the blue light ambulance all the way out to um, Hexham and um, so anyway, we, we went to pick up this gentleman. So I had to stay in the back of the ambulance while the ambulance men went in. So the next thing, bring the, the stretch of this man out and put him, cook him all up inside the ambulance. So um, so the ambulance man that got in the back with me he says, oh, he's, he's dead, he's passed away. But he says, we can't say that to the family by this time we saw we were blue lighting it down the road yeah. but we can't say that to the family because we're not doctors so we can't say he's definitely dead he has to be certified by a doctor so we are sort of going through red lights there was roadworks and there was a red light we had to go up on the pavement and get through all these roadworks their family of the man was in a car behind us following us through the red lights up on the pavement through the roadwork yeah <laughs> you're not supposed to do that i was gonna say like because i because i you know dad was saying oh you know it's you couldn't do all this stuff nowadays but i'm, like, I'm pretty sure that's always been illegal <laughs> that's always been illegal so yeah so so we get to the rvi and the way they pull around and of course the family's pulling around in the car exactly the same time as us so the the ambulance guy said to me he says look he says we can't be seen to be just sitting here doing nothing even though he is actually dead so he says you're gonna have to make it look like you're doing compressions chest compressions that we're actually doing something because he says they can see through the glass at the bottom of the door of the ambulance so he says as they're coming round, you're gonna have to look like you're trying to do something so <laughs> so yeah so anyway open up the doors and <laughs> so so we get him out and um so, so and I, of course, I just had to stay in the back of the ambulance. So, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's an excellent story. Uh, yeah, so yeah. I got an ambulance, he got a helicopter. <laughs> I also took a patient from uh, Aberdeen to Cambridge in an air ambulance, which was interesting because the patient was on a ventilator. So oh we had to sort of, we got delivered to Aberdeen Airport and we had to sort of run with this patient well, we had to push him quickly into the air, into the plane to put the plug in to get the ventilator to work. Mm. And then flew all the way down to Cambridge, landed in some sort of military airfield. Oh, wow. Well, I remember the, the <laughs> halfway down, the pilot saying, oh, do you want something to eat? And he sort of turns around with a, a tray of sandwiches. <laughs> so anyway, so we landed at Cambridge <laughs> Airport and then we d- deposited that patient at Patworth and then uh, got the plane back. Oh, well, we've, we've had some some bizarre stories. There's one in Nottingham where, well, somebody came to see me at one evening and said, you, you the registrar on call that night? And said, yes. And he said, well, this 50-year-old man who looks as though he's dying and we don't know why. 
So I thought, well, I'd better go and see him. So I went to see him and uh, he clearly was dying. He was horrible, sweaty, clammy. Uh, and I thought, well, this guy may have a tamponade, which was fluid around the heart, because nobody ever mm. thought of this. I managed to persuade an echo person to come in and do the echo, and yes, there was fluid. So I rang up the cardiologist and said, you know, could you come and drain this fluid? And he said, sorry, mate, I'm babysitting. <laughs> so he said, have you ever done a, a, a pericardiosynthesis before? I said, no. And he said, well, all you do is basically just go under the sternum and just aim for the shoulder. Oh, yeah, okay, I'll do that. So I, I went did, so basically I just got some local anesthetic, a big 50 mil syringe and a big long needle and just did it. Nowadays, uh, you know, uh, nowadays nobody would do that sort of thing. You know, mm. would, they would have to have a consultant in echocardiogram. It would have to be done, lots of everything. And I saved that man's life. Whereas nowadays, by the time we actually got around to it, the guy would have probably been dead. We were quite happy to do all sorts of strange things you know it was a case of see one do one teach one i mean my first weekend as a house officer it was, i was on call on the ward and on a sunday sunday lunchtime i was told that some person had come to have a pint of blood venisected because uh they had some condition that needed blood to take, taken off and i said Hmm, I've never done that before. So the sister literally just got the kit and threw it at me and said, work it out. Oh my and, God. And then, so I sort of sat down, worked it out and did it. Whereas nowadays, they, you know, as a house officer would never be expected to do that sort of thing. It would mm. probably be a registrar or consultant level. And they certainly wouldn't expect the, the kit to be thrown at them and certainly not to work it out from first principles. No, it's, <laughs> it was far more fun then. And, you know, willing to take risks. Thank you.